Hello and welcome to Hosanna. I'm Pastor Jen Alexander and please hear me say, we believe the Lord led you here to help you grow in faith and look a little more like Jesus. After today's message, we encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Ryan Alexander. I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna and it's so good to be with all of you at all four of our campuses as well as those of you who are joining us live online, maybe later on demand online. We believe the Lord led you here. And I feel like I need to still say happy Thanksgiving uh, because I haven't had a chance to say that to all of you. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And at the same time, I'm ready to say Merry Christmas. Doesn't it feel like we've been in that place of like Thanksgiving, Christmas, right? This transition time. Uh, Maybe the weather's throwing us off too. I don't know. Uh, The other day I was dropping one of my sons off at his friend's house and they still had decorations from fall and Halloween as well as Christmas lights up. And that kind of captures this time that we've been in, right? But we're now making the full turn into Christmas. And you can see behind me here at Hosanna, we are making the full turn into Christmas with all the chairs and the music stands getting ready for our Christmas concert uh, this, this week. But I'm still feeling thankful. And I just wanna express some gratitude um, specifically for you, this church, Hosanna, uh, for all kinds of reasons, but I'm, I'm just feeling really grateful for your generosity. Uh, toward people in need. I get to share the Thanksgiving offering total uh, today. Are you ready for this? The total of the Thanksgiving offering was $186,790. And that is added to a total that's already in this fiscal year starting in September because we give 10%, just like we encourage you to do outside of the walls of Hosanna. We encourage you to bring that first 10% of your income back to the Lord at your local church We practice what we preach and we do that with other ministries and organizations. So you add those two numbers together and this church has given $467,022 to ministries and organizations that are doing God's work locally and globally. So way to go. And uh, that's just gonna keep happening. Uh, By the end of this year, uh, we will have doubled that number the end of this uh, calendar year. And by the end of our fiscal year in August, um, it'll, be, uh, it'll be double that. So like 1.7 million at least, something like that, that this church will be giving generously outside of these walls. So if you're not already uh, part of the generosity party, it's easy to get started. And um, just, just text Hosanna Give to 94000. Uh, we are in the 48th week of our year with Jesus. Can you believe it? 48th week, a year with Jesus. We've been focusing on Jesus now for 48 weeks. And I would encourage you to ask this question, reflect on this question. How is focusing on Jesus for this past year, however long you've been with us, if this is your first week, I guess, you know, even today, what difference has that made in your life? What difference has it made in your life to reflect on Jesus, to focus on Jesus? Maybe it's been a message or a series or um, a moment Maybe like, like me, it's been this constant drip of focusing on Jesus for a year and how that's just left you different. That's how I feel. Like, I don't, I don't know that I can fully articulate how I'm, I just know I'm different. That's, what's, that's what focusing on Jesus, spending time with Jesus does. It leaves us different in all the right ways. That's a good question to reflect on during the season of Advent. We're in the season of Advent, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, and it means, Advent means coming or arriving. Specifically, the coming or the arriving of the Christ. 
which is our, our Advent series this year. It's called The Christ of Christmas. The Christ of Christmas. And without the Christ of Christmas, our experience of Christmas is incomplete. Our year with Jesus without the Christ is incomplete. It's why we're ending our year with Jesus in this series, The Christ of Christmas. But certainly, our experience of Christmas is incomplete without understanding the Christ and knowing the Christ of Christmas. Our family got to spend uh, time with Jen's side of the family over Thanksgiving, and that was great to be with family. And on our flight back, we had a layover in Dallas, and um, as we were getting taken off, going down the runway, full speed, about halfway down the runway, the pilot suddenly slammed on the brakes, and, and we came to a screeching, swerving kind of stop, which, you know, caused all of our hearts to stop for a moment. And finally, after a pause, which was probably only, you know, a few seconds, seemed like a couple of hours, the pilot got on and say, said, obviously, we did not take off. <laughs> okay, thank you. But we, we need to go back to the gate and check because we think we blew a tire. It was good to know that before we took off. And, and had we taken off with a blown tire, landing would have been a very different experience. It would have been an incomplete experience, to say the least. Same with the Christ of Christmas. If we take off into the Christmas season without fully understanding who the Christ of Christmas is, our experience will be incomplete. How Christmas lands for us will be incomplete. The Christ of Christmas. We don't want Christmas without the Christ. Now, I'm not talking about this in the, the, the culture war kind of way that sometimes as Christians we get drawn into. You know, like, we gotta keep the Christ in Christmas or I'm gonna say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. They want me to say Happy Holidays, but I'm gonna say Merry Christmas. I, I get where, you know, you're coming from in that. But that's not what I'm talking about here. And, and at, at Hosanna... We, we know, as Jesus followers, that we're not called to go to war with people and culture. We're called to love and serve and sacrifice for people and culture, like the one we follow did. Amen? Amen. So that, that's not, I'm not talking about that kind of culture war mentality. I'm, but I, what I am talking about is what happens when we as believers don't fully understand what's happening at Christmas time. The, the, the concern that secularization or commercialization of, Christ, of Christmas might, might be pales in comparison to the concern that we Christians wouldn't fully comprehend or celebrate what Christmas really is, the full story. That Christmas is more than just the story of a baby, a human baby born in a barn in Bethlehem. It's a cozy little scene. And Christmas is about that. But it's about so much more than that. It's about the Christ of Christmas. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter one if you have them. The words will be on the screen if, if you don't. And what I'm about to read all happens about nine months before the scene we typically think of when we think of Christmas. That passage in Luke two, which we'll hear read in our Christmas Eve services by one of the, the kids from our congregation. That scene of a baby being born to human parents, proclaimed by angels to shepherds, keeping watch over their flock by night, visited by, eventually visited by wise men, that story. This part of the Christmas story is, is about the arrival of the Christ. 
a divine being who is firstborn over all creation, one who's not confined to any barn or any space, one who comes before humanity, one, one who is above the angels, one who is the good, the good shepherd, one who is the source of wisdom, the son of God breaking into the world, breaking into humanity, the Christ of Christmas. Now, with that, listen to this passage in Luke chapter one. Verse 26, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The, the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Here's Mary an ordinary, unassuming, kind of peasant girl, assuming that she's in the midst of the most significant moment in her life. At this, this moment where she is going to be wed to a man named Joseph, she assumes that this is the most significant moment of her life. And then something more significant happens. Something unexpected happens. An angel appears and says, you're gonna have a child conceive a child, not the, the normal way with Joseph, but through the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And this child will be holy. He will be the son of the most high, the son, the son of God. Now note there the, the definite article, the, not a son of God. I think every parent who has a child thinks that their child is a special gift from God. Don't we all think that? I think that about my kids. They're special gifts, a special gift from God. But this is the Son of God, the Son of the Most Holy. Now, during his lifetime, Jesus typically referred to himself as the Son of Man, the Son of Man, as if he, he wanted to emphasize his humanity because he was performing these divine miracles and giving these, these divine messages and Jesus wanted to make it clear that he was also fully, he was fully God, but he was also fully human. Would have been hard for the people around him to realize that as he was performing these miracles and, and giving these otherworldly messages. I think Jesus also wanted to be known as the son of man because he wanted to be clear. He came for humanity. He has a heart for humanity. He came to serve and rescue humanity. Humanity. But here, the angel says, he is the son of God, the Holy One. 
Now, in Luke 2, that passage I referenced earlier, nine months later, the angels will announce it very directly, very clearly. For unto you, in Luke 2, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Christ. The Greek there means Messiah, Savior, the Anointed One. Christmas is about the coming of the Christ, not just about the birth of a baby, a human baby named Jesus. It is about that. It's also about the Christ, undeniably breaking into the world, entering fully into humanity. Now, it's been said that, that Jesus is the perfect union of God and humanity. I like that. Jesus is a perfect union of God and humanity. Two parts, God and humanity, fused into one. As Pastor Pear said last week in his message, which is a great message, by the way. If you want to learn how to do the hokey pokey, you can watch that. <laughs> he said that, 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 that Christ is not Jesus' last name. Now, your Uncle Joe probably led you to believe that it was growing up, right? And he had a middle initial named H, but that's not true. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Jesus, the Christ, right? They're, they're, they're the perfect union of God and humanity. Jesus of Nazareth existed in history in real time. Jesus, the Christ, existed since before history for all time, the Christ of Christmas. He didn't just come as a baby born in Bethlehem. He did, and... He came, this is the complete story, the Christ, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. Now, in preparation for this week's message, I've, I've been soaking in a couple of passages devotionally, personally, just getting ready for this message, the Christ of Christmas. Like, who is the Christ? And there are a couple of passages that I wanna read over you because I think this concept is honestly, as I sat with these passages, it started to kind of stretch my paradigm on, on Christmas and even at Christianity when we think about the Christ who has come at Christmas. And I want you to have a similar experience as I read these passages about who the Christ is, the Christ of Christmas. So the references will be on the screen, but the full passages aren't gonna be on the screen because you can look them up later, but I just want you to hear them. Starting with this one in, in John chapter one. The title here for me is, it says, in my Bible says, Christ, the eternal word. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, the Christ. And nothing was created except through him, the Christ. The word gave life to everything that was created, and this life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The Christ existed in the beginning with God. God created everything, everything, through the Christ. This one is Colossians 1.15. The heading in my Bible says, Christ is supreme. Christ is the 
visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he, the Christ of Christmas, holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The Christ of Christmas. And then later in Colossians 3, if those two passages had a lot of words, this, this one's for you, all right? Colossians 3.11. Christ is all, and Christ is in all. The Christ of Christmas. During Jesus' lifetime, people had a lot of opinions about who Jesus was. It's true today too, isn't it? One time Jesus asked his closest followers, those who walked with him during his ministry for three and a half years, who witnessed his miracles, who heard his teachings day after day. He said to them, who do you say I am? Peter, one of his closest followers, of his close followers, responded this way, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. Which means everything that I just read. Which means when Peter says you are the Christ, he's saying you are the, the one who always has been. You are the one through whom everything was created. You, you, you are the one who is in all. That's Christ, the Christ of Christmas. And we don't want to take off into this Christmas season without understanding more fully what that part of the story means, the Christ of Christmas. And we certainly don't want to land on Christmas Eve in a few weeks without a fuller understanding of who Christ is. And I don't want to land this year with Jesus without us having a deeper understanding of who the Christ is. This was uh, so important to the early church leaders that, that, that people understood the full story. And throughout history, people have kind of drifted away from the full story including there was a guy named Arius in the fourth century who started to teach this theological doctrine that became known as Arianism. And Arius emphasized the, the humanity of Christ, but he de-emphasized or even dismissed the deity of Christ or the, the Christ of Christ. And I recently came across a legend. I just had to share this with you because it's so great. A legend that relates to Arius and relates to Christmas. 
So at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, we're going back a ways, Arius was upfront, sharing his theories, his theology of, of the, the humanity of Christ, but, but kind of downplaying the divinity of Christ. Until finally, and everyone was probably thinking it, but finally, a guy named Bishop Nicholas, who later became known as Saint Nicholas or Saint Nick, as the legend has it, walked up to the front where Arius was speaking and said, I've had enough of what you're talking about and punched him in the face, knocking him to the ground. No one told you that Christmas story the night before Christmas, did they? <laughs> kind of wish they would have, though. Who says this is all boring stuff, right? Imagine if you did that and sending me an email, you did that while I'm speaking. Some of you coming up here and, you know, don't do it. Don't get any ideas. It's a legend. I'm going with it, though. <laughs> but the point is, that's how seriously the early church leaders, like St. Nick, took this idea of, of, of Jesus being fully human, but also fully God, the Christ, who always was. Through him, all things were created. And that he is somehow in all as part of that creation. They believed in it so much, they wrote something called the Nicene Creed. I just wanna share part of it with you coming out of this Council of Nicaea. To make it very clear, they wrote this. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. This comes right out of Colossians. That's the Christ of Christmas. And comprehending and celebrating that part of the Christmas story makes our Christmas experience of Christmas more complete, more meaningful, more glorious, more majestic, more transformational, more amazing. And, and as if it couldn't get even more amazing, it does get more amazing. The Christ of Christmas, the one who always was, the the one who, through whom all things are created, the one who becomes part of this perfect union of God and humanity is born into a human named Mary. It's amazing. And we get conflicting views of, of Mary, don't we? Throughout history, some have wanted to put Mary way up here in an elevated role, and some have said, no, Mary's just kind of like everybody else, so which one is it? Actually, we, we find that in Luke chapter one. Right, the, the angel says, greetings, O favored one. You have found favor with God. And Mary, in, her own, in so many words, says, well, I'm just only, I'm only a virgin. And that Greek word can also mean a, a young girl. And both were true of Mary. She was a virgin and a young girl. She's saying, I'm only this peasant girl. What, oh. She's confused and disturbed. Like, what do you mean, O favored one? Which one is it? Is Mary highly favored one or an ordinary peasant girl? You know the answer. Which one is it? Yes, she is an ordinary peasant girl and she is highly favored by God, which makes Mary no different than any other human being on the planet. No different than you or me. We are all ordinary, fill in the blank. We're all ordinary, going about our lives, 
whatever our job is, whatever our vocation is, whatever our role in life is. We're all ordinary, you know, one of billions of people on the planet today, billions upon billions who have lived on this planet. We're all ordinary, fill in the blank. And each one of us, each one of you, highly favored by God. Greetings, O favored one. Do you know that? Do you know how favored you are by God? Do you know that's how he looks at you? Not because of what you've done or what you haven't done or because of your accomplishments or your credentials. Here's why. Because you're created in his image. Because you, like all things, are created through Christ. That you, like all things, have Christ in you. And he looks at you as one who he actually created you. You have some of his stuff in you. His image, his, his substance somehow. It's a mystery. His scent even. I was thinking about it this way. Do you ever, you know, all homes have a scent, don't they? Mostly good. But when you leave a home and you still like, I still smell like that. That's what you were created through Christ. You have his scent. And he looks at you like he looked at Mary 2,000 years ago and said, greetings, O favored one. You are favored. Which really is just a, way, a fancy way of saying this. God says yes to you as one who's created through Christ. He says yes to you. Please hear that today. Nothing you can think or others might say or do can change this about God. He favors you. He says yes to you. Christ in you. You know what did set Mary apart from others? She said yes back to him. She said, let it be done unto me as you have said. In other words, yes, Lord. You're saying yes to me, your favored one. And I'm gonna say, yes, may it be so. And I think in that sense, and what happened from there? The perfect union of God and humanity was born in her because she said yes to a God who said yes to her. I think Mary is what humanity looks like when we say yes to Jesus being born in us. I heard a pastor say once that he spends the first hour of his day in prayer just letting God shift him from no to yes. Letting him shift, letting God shift all the no's in his life, the no's that he's saying to himself, no, I'm not good enough, or the no's that he's saying to other people, or the no's that he's saying to the world, to yes, in Christ, I can say yes to all those things. What if we did that this Christmas season? We gave God room to shift our hearts from no to yes. In all the ways that we say no to ourselves and to others and to the world, to yes in Christ. Three ways. What if we said yes to Christ in our world? Understanding that all things are created through him in heaven and on earth. Another heresy that was common in the early centuries of the church, and even today, is this one called Gnosticism, which separates the material world and the spiritual world into 
bad and good categories. Material, physical world, bad. Spiritual, good. Heresy. In Christ, all things are created through Christ. In heaven and on earth. What if we looked at the world that way? Yes, there's brokenness. Yes, there's fallenness. Yes, but what if we looked at the world like all things, everything's been created through him. Everything in the world. What if we saw some of the challenges taking place in our world right now that way? Yes, they're hard. Yes, there's brokenness. Yes, there's challenge. But somehow Christ is working in that. Somehow Christ is trying to hold it all together. Somehow Christ is trying to reconcile all things through him in that situation in Israel, Ukraine, or in our own country in the division, all that. Somehow, what if we saw the world that way and said yes to it instead of all the ways that we say no? What if, what if we said yes to Christ and others? That all things, meaning people created through Christ, by him and through him, and Christ is in all. Jesus says later in the Gospels, when you visited others in prison, when you've given them water, when you fed them, you visited and fed me. What's he saying? There are a lot of things. But one of the things he's saying is that, that Christ is somehow in that person that we are serving, that we are seeing. What if we saw everyone that way this Christmas season? Now, I'm not saying that everyone said yes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior in their hearts. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, but Christ is in all. That person that you pass, the person at work that you have, have trouble with, the, the family member that you're gonna be gathering with. What if as parents we said yes to our kids instead of all the ways that maybe we want them to be this or that and we said yes to what Christ is doing in them? What if we did that with our spouses, our friends, neighbors? Yes, every person we pass, somehow Christ is in all. Yes. What if we said yes to Christ in ourselves? Like really, and we believe that what God is saying, that he, we, we are part of that all. We are part of everything that's been created through him. That we, like Mary, can know that God is saying yes to us, that he favors us, that he looks at, at each of us as one he has created, all things created through Christ. And what if we believe that God wanted to birth something in us, something new, maybe a new perspective, maybe a new vision, maybe a, a new and a level of healing and growth in our lives. Maybe he wants to birth some reconciliation in our lives or through us in other people's lives. What does he want to birth in you? What is he waiting for you to say yes to? Maybe this is that first time, yes. Some of you have never really said yes to that perfect union of, of God and humanity being born in you for that very first time or maybe the first time in a long time and you're ready to say yes to that. If I just describe you, I want you to circle a date in, in your calendars, January 21st, okay? Why? Because it's my birthday. It actually is my birthday, but that's not why I want you to circle it. I want you to circle it because it's our next immersion baptism weekend. That would be a perfect way to celebrate this new birth or this renewed birth that is happening in you, that Christ and make possible in you. And you don't have to wait until then. You can say yes right now. You can do both. <laughs> He's looking at you, oh, favored one. I'm an ordinary, yep. But he says yes to you. And he's simply waiting for you to say yes to him, a God who says yes to you. And maybe even in these coming moments as I pray, you wanna say yes. I just pastorally want us to have a more complete, more meaningful, more transformational Christmas season than we've ever had.
I don't want us to take off without knowing the full story of Christmas, the Christ of Christmas. I certainly don't want us to land in a few weeks without that either. So I just want to give you a moment as we close in prayer here for the Lord to speak to you. He wants to speak. He is speaking to each of you right now. And he's speaking to you how he wants you. He's, first of all, he's saying, I say yes to you. All things have been created through Christ. And then he's speaking to us gently, lovingly, how he wants us to say yes. Maybe to the world. Maybe to others. Maybe to ourselves. Yes. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus a resounding, undeniable yes. The Christ of Christmas. The one through whom all things have been created. The one who holds all things together. The one who is reconciling all things through him, under him. We say yes to you, Jesus, the Christ, this Christmas. And may we experience all the fullness that comes. We pray this in Jesus, the Christ, name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.